Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. All right, cool. So, like I said, the title of this sermon is actually The Seven Faces of Worship, <laughs> which, <laughs> which sounds really, really epic. And this podium, like, moves real fast. So, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm really glad. If you guys made it this far in camp, your lives have already been changed, and it's way too late to go back. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I got that. Dude, I got it on lock. You know what I'm saying? And so, anyways... <laughs> It's going to be good. And so tonight, I want to tell you a little bit more about praise and a little bit more about worship. I think it's about time we got some vocabulary for the things that we've been doing. And I'm about to tell you my goal for the night. So we're going to move to the thesis. All right. It's not that long. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, we're going to, I'm going to read the thesis. I'm going to read the thesis. But I know this is class time. But anyways, The little condensed version of the thesis, if you're like, bro, that's some words. You know what I'm saying? The condensed version is literally coming from worship itself. We're actually learning tonight how we're going to respond and how we're going to receive. Okay? Because we believe that Jesus is showing up like that fire and like that wind. And when you receive that freedom, I think it actually warrants, if I can use that word, a response. Use it. So, anyways, back to the thesis. Boom. I'm going to read off my paper, and it's a little bit different than that slide. But that slide is legit. So anyways, it says, Worship and praising God requires the fullness of our being. It requires the fullness of our actions and our heart to be completely engaged. In Hebrew, there are seven different words for praise. Seven is actually this number in Hebrew that symbolizes fullness. Nah, dude, the thesis is all about the deal. You know what I'm saying? I'm not done with the thesis yet. So you don't have to switch until I say halal. So anyways. (laughs) Don't. It's a trap. Okay, so anyways, there are seven different words for praise, and seven is this, is in Hebrew, all the numbers have different meanings, they're symbolic, and actually each, even word and letter in Hebrew has a numerical assignment to it. So numbers to the Jewish people are a really, really big deal. So the fact that there's seven words for praise actually symbolizes fullness and true worship, that to truly worship engages all of the worshiper. Okay, and so real worship, we're going a little bit back to the thesis, real worship includes singing, dancing, spinning, raving, praising, revering God, giving thanks, lifting your hands, blessing, kneeling, saluting, spontaneous songs, singing in tongues, hymns, making music, new melodies, instruments, creativity, new chords, confessing his goodness, commending, and so much more. So I know that was a lot. But basically, we're going to learn seven Hebrew words tonight. Yeah. And so now we can go to the next slide. Halal, right? And so we're gonna, the first word that we're going to learn is called halal, right? And so we're going through these seven different words for praise. And like I said with the thesis, here's what I'm trying to do. I want to thoroughly convince you guys that all of these different things, and I mean, dude, that, that's a whole list of things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I want to encourage you and thoroughly convince you that all of these things can be a form of worship. That it's not just an American tradition, like, you know, people in church, we just kind of raise our hands and like, I don't even know if I feel it, but you know, that guy's raising his hands and that guy, and dude, even the song said, oh, I guess it's right there, but even the song said, raise your hands, right? And so, you know, Chris Tomlin told me to do it, right? And so, this isn't just a Christian tradition, okay? And even as a little bit of a cynical person myself, I kind of grew up thinking that, right? But there's actually 
a lot of biblical support and the Jewish people knew how to worship. I'm telling you, those guys knew how to party, <laughs> right? And so I don't have time to talk about it in my sermon, but they had this thing called the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes. And it was really, really awesome. They actually said that you hadn't lived if you'd never been to the, uh, I don't even know what word to use, but the disastrous, rupturous party of the Feast of Tabernacles. They would literally tell people, you haven't lived if you haven't partied for the Feast of Tabernacles. Wow. And this is literally just one of those feasts where they're like, hey man, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, right? And we just like, don't pay attention to it, right? But it's a big deal. And so why are we going through these seven words? Because like I said, thoroughly convince you that all of these can be ways to engage with God, Okay. So we're going to go through it really quick right now and a bunch of times later. So it's going to reinforce the message. And you don't have to memorize like, dude, halal, right? And walking away from camp, like, what did you learn? Halal, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't have to say that. What I want to show you, like what I've said, is that there's so many things that we can do to worship God. And I want to validate that, especially if you're sitting there wondering, dude, why are all of those people raising their hands? Why, why at uh, church on Sunday are there people like painting stuff on the stage? Why does Ben get up and do backflips, you know? Why are people spinning? Why are people laying on the ground? Like, dude, Joel is just making up words. Like, that's not even part of the song, you know what I'm saying? And I don't even know if Diane is singing in English, you know what I mean? And so, I'm telling you. So that's right here, boom, it's number four. But anyways, we're going to go through it really quick. So number one is halal, right? And so halal is to praise, it's to boast, it's to dance wildly, it's to act madly. It's to like clamorously go about and all around. Uh, number two is yada. It's to revere, to worship. It's lifting your hands. So yes, the Bible actually supports when people lift their hands. Chris Tomlin had it right. If you want to worship Jesus, you can lift your hands. Barak is the one that's used the least, but it means to bless or to kneel. So if you see people kneeling in worship or just laying prostrate before the Lord, it's a real thing, right? Tehila is what Joel and Diana were doing to sing a spontaneous song. You know, when we were singing about not being silent and we were singing about freedom, that's Tehillah, right? Hello! Anyways, just sing spiritual song. Number five is Zamar. That's like playing the music. Or remember when Mitchell opened and he was just doing the piano on the last song and there wasn't anyone singing? That's Zamar. It's to play an instrument. A lot of times it can be to play a string instrument. And I'm trying to give you guys the broken down digestible version. There's actually a lot behind these words. Like this could be like a class on like praising God. You know what I'm saying? Because Zamar actually just as like a little tidbit. This is for free. Zamar they would actually use to talk about when people would come to the temple and invent and create their own new original instrument. And play a song using their instrument that no one had ever heard before. If you've ever heard Sing to the Lord a new song, we're like, yeah, man, that's awesome. But these dudes actually came to the temple with these instruments that they fashioned with wood and other things and strings. And they just loaded it up and they played an original song that no one had heard to praise God, right? So there's actually a lot more behind these words. And yeah. So anyways, number six is Toda. Yeah. And it's to make confession, to give praise, to give thanks. So you know how Taylor gets up and he says, thank God for these things. You know, that's happened a couple times. That's Toda, dude. And then number seven is Shabak. It's to exclaim, to shout, to extol. Shabak, right? And that's what we did at the very end of worship tonight where we all yelled and stuff, you know. So we were just Shabakin, you know what I'm saying? So if you don't know what's going on, chances are it falls into one of these categories. You're like, worship at that church is crazy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Boom. That crazy. Okay? So anyways, um, I don't mean to be offensive with this next comment, and I want to be careful with what I say, 
but here goes, <laughs> right? <laughs> so anyways, there's a part of your heart that is activated by doing each of these. And so if we never engage in some of these, if we're not even open to it, then there's a portion of our heart and full worship that we're withholding from God. And we're actually not benefiting from that worshiping God in that way because our worship towards Him actually changes in us. And so if we've never entered into the world of Barak where you kneel before the Lord, then there's actually a breakthrough in our hearts that we might be missing out on. That's right, yeah. So this isn't trying to say like God is the most awesome one and if you don't worship him in all of these ways and go down the whole list of each one in every worship service, that it's gonna be bad. But it is an invitation that I can actually worship God by revering him. I can actually worship God by fearing him. I can worship God by singing a spontaneous song like Diana did. Anyways, so I don't want us to become legalistic and think we have to attempt to do all 27 ways of praise up there in the same service. In fact, we can praise God in every single one of these ways and our hearts can still not be fully connected to Jesus. There's things we can still be holding back from him. Because I don't know about you, but my heart follows my money. And where your treasure is there, your heart is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, which you don't have to put on the screen because, you know, I just said it. (laughs) So anyways, you know... (laughs) If we don't ever give God of our finances, if we don't ever give him money, there's a portion of our heart that he just doesn't have access to, that we don't even have access to try to give to him. And you know, for bonus points, in John 14, 15, Jesus is like, yo, if you love me, if you're connected to me, if we're in a relationship, then you're going to keep my commandments. So that's what I'm trying to say. I think it's an invitation for us to start praising in all of these ways, but we can still miss out on connection with Jesus. There's more stuff to do. And it's not like if you don't, hello, in one of the things that you just missed it, right? But I do like dancing wildly, or at least doing something close to that. So, dude, I totally already said that. So I want to give some credit to some people. There's this random dude that you may or may not have heard of that's pretty famous. His name is Ray Hughes. Um, He helped me out with like, breaking down some of these words and making it into a simpler digestible version. And I want to thank Taylor Jensen for giving me the idea for this. Um, I was really going to focus on talking about number four tonight. And Taylor's really like, why don't you just talk about all the different ways to worship God? And so I just wanted to give a little bit of credit there. And yeah, so we're going to start out by reading some verses. And like I said, I want to take something that feels way too technical, that feels really complicated, like Tahila, right? And you're like, dude, I'm, you're never going to find me. You're never going to catch me saying Tahila. You know, like I had, I had enough trouble trying to learn to say tequila, you know, and I'm, there's no way I'm going to say tequila. You know what I'm saying? Much less like remember that it means sing a spontaneous song, sing a new song, sing a hymn, right? You know, because that's just too much. But like I said, I want to give you an invitation that you can worship God in all these ways. And I want to show you that the Bible goes a lot more deep than we think. And so I'm going to read a verse. We're not going to put it up on the screen. And it literally just says, save us, Lord our Lord, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so the reason I'm not putting it up there is because it's not the focus, but I just want to show you guys that in the same verse, it says to praise the Lord two different times, and it uses two different words. The first one is hello, right? And the second one is tehillah. And so if we don't know any of this and we have no background, sometimes we miss what scripture is actually saying. And I just want to be honest with you guys. I want to level with you that in some ways, this list of seven is an oversimplification. The Hebrew language is far more complicated than I have time or that I even know about to break down for you. 
In fact, the words used in a lot of these verses aren't actually halal, right? Halal is a root for these words. And so all of the words can be traced back to the same thing and you can find them in a concordance. That's helpful. But there's a whole lot more layers that we can even go through with each word is basically what I'm getting at. But um, this is awesome. And I think it can be something that's really simple. So let's actually look at a verse together and see how having a background in this or at least understanding that it kind of exists somewhere in the world actually changes the way that you read scripture. So let's actually put up the next slide and go to Psalm 147 in the ESV. And read verse one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, it says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. Man, I know that one. (laughs) For it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. So if we don't know the differences between the three different words used for praise, we're just going to think that this verse says, praise the Lord. It's good to praise the Lord. And his name is fitting of praise. You know, which is all pretty true. It's, it's kind of good, you know, but it's just like, yeah, praise God, and praising God is good, and he deserves it, right? <laughs> and that's how I've read this verse before, too. And that's great, you know, it's true. But I think there's an invitation for us in Psalm 147.1 to clamorously do all kinds of awesome stuff like we did tonight. And so I want you to know that the Lord is actually behind you saying, you can engage with me in all of these cool different ways. And there's actually power in raising your hands or kneeling or hello. Anyways, so (laughs) I didn't plan on saying that at all. (laughs) So let's go to the next slide and look at the difference that we would have for this verse when we know the words. So like the first slide said, the first word used for praise is halal. The second word used for praise is zamar. And the third word used for praise is tehillah, right? So when it said praise the Lord, the first one, another way we could read this verse is Rave and boast and dance wildly. Act madly to celebrate the Lord. Right? So that's the first part. And in the ESV, it just says, praise the Lord. Okay? And so the next part, it says, it is good to make music. Sing praises. Play instruments for him. It is pleasant. Okay? And then in the ESV, all it says is, and it's good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant. And then the last part, it says, Please help me, God. And our spiritual songs and our hymns and our new original songs are fitting for his name. And so I think Psalm 147.1 is actually pretty deep. And I know you might be wondering right now, why are we talking about this? (laughs) (laughs) And I want to encourage you that the Lord asked me, I was actually going to get even more technical to this. Can you believe that? (laughs) Boom! And Jesus came in and he was like, yo, dude, you're like trying to teach a seminary class over there. And I'm just trying to give people permission to praise me. You know what I'm saying? And maybe I will teach a seminary class, but we're not going to call it seminary. I'll tell you that much. So anyways, so anyways, the Lord challenged me. What would you say if your priority was love? And that's all he said to me. And then he's like, deal with that for the next two days. (laughs) And that's what it felt like to me, dude. So, Yeah, so anyways, that was loud. So anyways, when I was chewing on that and trying to understand what it meant, I was like typing my sermon up and then I heard that and then like everything stopped. And then for days I just wasn't working on my sermon and procrastinating because I was like, how do I do that? And so anyways, when God challenged me, what would you say if you say out of love? There was a whole thought process I went down. And I started to realize when I preach sermons, I like things like this. And I like really complicated things because I think it's really important to show the truth right. 
and to show all the different sides of it. I want to preach the truth. I want to give people the full picture. And so there's so many goals that when I sit down, what do, what do the people need to hear? What are they going to benefit from? You know, like, how do I explain this? All this stuff, all these questions. And God's like, what if the top priority, what if the number one thing you paid attention to was actually speaking from that place of love? If you were going to talk about halal, right? <laughs> so you can go to the next slide. So if you're going to talk about halal and all of these words, but you're going to talk about it from a place of love, what would that sound like? Because I think you're trying to make a sermon that's easy for people to understand. I think you're trying to make a sermon that's a really good word. I think you're trying to make a sermon that explains what worship is and invites people into it. And that's really cool, David. <laughs> but what would you say if the priority was love? And so I think the first thing that I would share if the priority was love is that we worship Jesus out of love. And my heart... Even my heart as a leader is I want you guys to experience Jesus. I want you to encounter him and really connect with Jesus, the man, the anointed one. And there are so many different avenues, you know, (laughs) there's so many different avenues that you can connect with Jesus. And it's not limited to just one thing. It's not limited to when we all worship together and we're all in the same room. I'm telling you, dude, I can halal no matter who is looking. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so... That's what I'd say if I was talking from that place of love. I would just encourage you that Jesus wants to connect with you. And he wants to show you that there's so many different avenues for each and every one of us to connect with his heart. And he wants to validate for some of the people when you thought about, am I raising my hands because I feel something? Or am I raising my hands because Taylor Jensen raised his hands? Am I kneeling because other people kneel? Or am I kneeling because Dominic said, guys, let's just get on our knees and go in a place of worship, right? And so those thoughts sometimes are like, zooming around in our heads right and i just want to show you guys there is avenues for us to connect with the lord no matter what taylor's doing no matter what the speaker says or chris tomlin wrote in his song or bethel music that we can connect with god in all of these ways and more obviously like you know giving your money other stuff we talked about (laughs) so anyways Man. So anyways, I think if we were focusing on love, then we wouldn't focus on all seven of the points quite as much. We would really focus on the encounter. We would really focus on the fact that when everyone else is singing in church, there's always a way for me to connect with God. Even if I lost my voice, even if I don't feel like singing, I can always connect with God through doing one of these things. Sometimes I can just remind myself that I just revere God and I see Him as my Lord. I can just yada and know the Lord, right? That's number two if you were like, what the... So anyways, (laughs) so one of the reasons I think this is so important, and this is scandalous. So one of the reasons I think this is so important is that God actually is worthy of our worship. And he asks us to worship him and stuff. But the funny thing is, it's like, why do we worship God, right? You know, he's obviously worthy of it. He obviously enjoys it. But I have some feeling that there's a whole lot more to it than that. This is totally not the third page. <laughs> so anyways, I have a feeling that there's a lot more to it than that. And what do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus loves us. And what is love anyways? To me, if I could condense love to like the smallest thing, I would say that love is sacrifice. And if I had a little bit more words than that, I would say love is putting someone else before you. It's putting someone else's desires and their needs above your own. 
And so this is where it gets like into a real scandal, right? This is where preachers are like, you better be careful what you say because this sounds audacious. I don't know if this is really the Bible. And you know what? They did that to Paul the Apostle all the time. They're like, I don't know about this guy's message because God can't really be like that. God can't really have those emotions like a man. But here's what I think. If Jesus loves you, then Jesus is sacrificing for you. Then Jesus is actually placing your needs and your desires above his own. That's scary. What if Jesus loved you so much that he actually prioritized and cared about what you want? I know we worship Lord, right? And you can't even really say no, Lord, because that doesn't make sense. If he's your Lord, how can you say no, Lord? You know what I mean? (laughs) So anyways, but I think there's really this moment where Jesus loves us so much that he cares about what we want. And so what if worship, in a lot of ways, was Jesus having us do something that would transform us? Being so concerned with our spiritual growth, with our transformation, with our needs and desires that need fulfilling, that he created worship a way for us to connect with Him and to become transformed, a way for us to have our needs met. And sure, He's worthy of all the honor. He's worthy of all the praise. He reigns in supremacy over all of our desires. But what if Jesus, out of love, said, actually, I'm going to put your desires above my own. Actually, I'm going to sacrifice for you. I know that this is the way that I want to connect as God, but I'm going to meet you in a way that you can connect with me. And I'm going to let you know that all the avenues are open. So I think that means that one of God's highest and most important goals is our greatest good in the transformation from worship. Isn't it fascinating that one of the deep desires of God's heart is for us to prosper and have maximum good? I really believe Jesus has our good in mind, and that's why worship is so, so important to him. I get that he wants praise. I get that he deserves it. I get that he enjoys the connection. But what if... Jesus actually believes that worship transforms us. And our spiritual growth and our ability to connect with him is so important that he said, I want to make an avenue, not only that magnifies my name, but that would transform my people. A way that I could show them love through sacrifice, even when they're sacrificing for me. And so I think worship is a beautiful thing, that we lay ourselves before Jesus as a sacrifice. But he is sacrificing for us, right? And so just talking about the words a little bit more, I think halal is that dancing (laughs) that you see people doing. I think it's that spinning around all the time. And I think that Jesus is actually inviting us to be a part of that. You know, I was actually praying for Thomas and the Lord was just speaking to me about glory. And I just realized that if we give Lord glory then there's some glory that we have inside of us to give. Even 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 talks about how when we see Jesus, we become more like him and we become transformed into the image of his likeness and his glory, right? And so I think we actually have been made so glorious so that we can give that glory to God. I think everything that Jesus is doing is about connecting with us. And so now I want to tell you guys a story. Maybe I should have started with the story. I hear you. But... (laughs) <laughs> now, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna share a story. It's gonna be fun. So the story starts with this shirt. This is my shirt, man. <laughs> so, anyways, the story starts with this shirt. It starts back in 2014. So, I'm a very depressed Christian, and that's kind of an oxymoron. It doesn't really make sense, you know. And there was a time in my life in college where I had battled through that depression, and I had started serving the Lord with fervor. But then there was a time after college when I couldn't find a job. And I was really, really struggling. And in the midst of that place, 
God basically twisted my arm to coming back to church. <laughs> he got me with friends and community. I didn't have any friends in my life at all after college. All of my friends were still in university trying to graduate. And when I went back to my old home church that I'd gone to for years, no one was even there. They were still in university. They were working full-time jobs. And I just was really lonely. And I didn't have people to connect with. And I actually was going to a totally different college group. I wasn't even driving to Summit at all. I, was literally, I got in my car and I was like, I'm going to go to this other college group that's Christian, you know, and try to see if I can find some friends. And when I was on the road, I just remembered that like literally like four or five years ago, someone had invited me to go to Summit and I told them I would never go to Summit. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I have a church that I go to and I'm never going to check out Summit. And you know the reason I came to church? You know the reason I chose Summit instead of this other place? It was convenience. <laughs> I was driving in my car, and Summit was way closer than this other place. It was just like right there, and I was like, eh, I'll go to Summit. If it's just really weird, I just won't come back. You know, something like that. Because I heard some weird things, right? <laughs> I heard that people get really clamorous and dance wildly, and they, they have flags sometimes over there, and like little sheets that they dance around with. And I'm like, that's all pretty weird. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, and so I ended up going to Summit Church. And I really, I didn't feel out of place, but I really was. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was very out of place. But I felt so loved and invited through community. So now fast forward a little bit, and Crux goes on its first retreat. For me, anyways. <laughs> the first retreat that I could go to. And so we go on Crux Revival Camp, and it's my first Crux Revival Camp back in 2014. And we actually meet at the meeting hall down there. And I had been at camp and God had been speaking to me about a lot of things. And really, again, the reason I came to camp wasn't as like spiritual as it probably should have been. Like, I want to encounter the heart of God. You know, like if we ask you guys a questionnaire, like, why are you going to camp? You know, there might be some awesome reasons that we have. But my reason was just like, man, I just want some friends. And Taylor's going to be there. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that was honestly a big part of it. He was one of the ones I really connected with. And that's what I love about Summit is I always felt like I belonged in the community before I ever really believe before I thought like them before I understood what the heck is the deal with those people with flags yeah. I mean that lady hit me in the face with that flag. <laughs> you know what I mean and so like what is going on how does that not draw attention to her instead of God you know I would just go crazy with it dude so anyways back to story time I end up at Crux Revival Camp and I'm just I'm just there for the friends and it's great, you know, we have good times in the community. There's a fun story of me on the climbing wall and all kinds of cool stuff happens, right? It's a great camp. But by the last night, for whatever reason, I'm just feeling a little bit low on energy. You know, like when I, when I got up here and I was just like, whether your tank is empty or it's full, Jesus wants it. Like I just, A, I'd never heard SEU worship to hear that worship leader say that. And B, I was just so done that I just didn't even care. I was like, my tank's empty and I don't think I want to give Jesus anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so... There's actually this video that we don't have time to go through, but literally like the video was taken because it's supposed to show that people were doing like a coordinated in sync dance all in the front. And here's David Knox standing probably somewhere like right here, you know, and I'm wearing this shirt and I am just standing as rigid as possible. I'm not singing or doing anything. I'm just sitting there and like sometimes I look over and I'm like, oh man, they're all dancing. I'm like, I'm just going to. I might sway a little bit, you know, maybe. <laughs> they at 
least got me standing because sometimes I would just sit in the back. And I know this might be hard to believe. You're like, dude, you're that guy that's like jumping. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I would literally sit in the very back of church and there would be like three guys that I would sit with who will remain unnamed. And I would sit with these three guys and we would just talk about different things that had offended us from the worship or from like the sermon. And like I was just sitting back there. I was cynical, depressed, and hassled. And I didn't understand what people were doing. It would just really bug me. Honestly, I didn't even know how to get offended by some of the things. So I had no box. I might have been offended by singing in tongues in some of the spontaneous songs, but I didn't even know. I was just like, she's not even singing English. Like, I don't know if she forgot the words or <laughs> what's going on. Like, everyone, they just start speaking other languages. Maybe she just knows Swahili or something, you know. We used to sing in other languages in varsity, so you know, maybe it's just that. And so, you know, I didn't even know I was supposed to get offended. So I'm standing there. <laughs> totally rigid, just like not engaging with worship. And I actually believe that I'm being reverent before God, right? I'm only engaging with him in one of the ways. And I was engaging, you know, but I'm only engaging with him in one of the ways. And I'm just sitting there like, Jesus, I love you, but I don't even know how to be in a community of people like this, you know? And God didn't say anything to me in that moment. He didn't reach into the situation, you know, in that particular moment. But as I was just standing there, I was just like, I don't know how to be in this community, but I came to the realization that I was in a community that I was struggling with. I was in a community of friends that I was processing of friends. I was in a community of friends that accepted me, that let me stand on the front row and just not do anything. You know, a, a group of people that like loved and valued me, you know? And so that's a much better problem than the David who had no job, who was playing video games for 13 and a half hours a day and was just like, dude, like I don't even have any friends. And I would legit text people to hang out like all the time and they would just like blow me off. And sometimes they'd blow me off because they had like work and stuff, like, you know, real reasons. But anyways, because I had no job. <laughs> and so... I was like, I prefer the problem of being offended and hassled and feeling scared and feeling like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if that's biblical in a community of friends that love me than being alone in my house and just being like, I'm right about everything, right? <laughs> and so I'd rather connect with my friends and prioritize the friendship over being right. And I think there's times to go and search the scriptures and stuff like that. I don't just believe what other people believe, but I can still belong and engage. And I was so thankful to Summit for really being friends to me. And as you can tell, God really started to change my heart. Even that night itself, the night that I wasn't engaging, the night that I was just feeling really depressed, all of the guys at Summit, and literally it was none of the girls, but all of the guys at Summit at Crux Revival Camp completely surrounded me, like totally invaded my personal space, by the way. Anyways, but like completely surrounded me. And you know how sometimes you're like, oh, hey, you know, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? Dude, there was none of that. There was just like, you know, just like it was like full contact intercession, you know. And so anyways, they all just started praying for me, uninvited, you know, and then um, just prophesying over me. And um, the, the pastor at the time was a guy named Pastor Andrew. He's really left a legacy yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. And he prayed over me and he just said that, David, you have what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. And I realized in that moment that I just needed to hear that, that yeah. my whole life I was wondering if I had what it takes. But this story is not about that moment. This story is about the David who was standing there in worship being like, I don't really know what's going on. I don't know how to engage. And I'm not sure if it's even right for all those people to raise their hands. And I'm afraid that I might just raise my hands or I might just start praising or being like, yeah, or I might just do stuff because other people do and I want to fit in. And I don't want to compromise who I am in order to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. But when you see this list, I think it's an invitation to you that I'm not just raising my hands because I want to fit in. 
yeah. you know? And honestly, dude, I've tried not raising my hands, and I've tried raising my hands, and I gotta tell you, I'm still a little bit weird. <laughs> and I don't... <laughs> I don't fully fit in now, you know, so I, <laughs> so I don't really fit in now, and like, I, I've raised my hands, and I've not raised my hands, and I honestly didn't feel like I was much more validated by my friends like Taylor, because I raised my hands, or because I said, yeah, at the right time in the sermon, you know, I mean, obviously people laugh, right, but that's not the same as, you know, feeling validated, and so, even if you do some of that stuff, it's an avenue to connect with Jesus. And I got to tell you, you can do all this stuff. You can do all 27 things in every worship service if you're trying to fit in. And you're not going to feel more like you're more loved by these people. You feel love when you connect with people. Yeah. And so if you want to feel loved with your community, connect with them. Get vulnerable with them. Talk to them. Pray with them. All of those things. Yeah. And, and there's a different list of words, which is another sermon, you know, of like words that we can have with connecting with people instead of words with praising God, right? And there's all kinds of different avenues we have for connection and friendship. But that's what builds friendship. It's not conformity. It's not believing. And there are literally still things that like theologically I don't agree with certain people on things. And like even the head pastor, oh my gosh, about certain things in Summit. And so unity is not conformity. And if sometimes you don't feel like you fit in or you don't understand what's going on, I want you to know that it's okay. And you literally don't have to be like me. I know that my story is I ended up being the guy in the front who now does like spins and basically just jumps, right? But that's who I am. And so for me to engage with worship in God, or to worship, to engage in worship when we're worshiping God or something like that, I have to be that guy. Because when you see me at the sporting events, when you see me in these other contexts, that's who I am. You know, I am that cheerleader all throughout my life. But then in church, I was just like, yep. Jesus is good. That's my favorite Chris Tomlin song, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how I would worship God. And sometimes I would just get on my knees and just be like, God, I'm so sorry that I'm a sinner and I just messed it up again. And just, man, you know, and that was just, that was my way of worshiping Jesus, dude. That was like as far as it went. You know what I mean? That was like the really heavy time. Like everybody's like falling out of worship and stuff like that. But like, God, I don't know how to engage. I'm just sorry that I'm a sinner, right? And it was horrible. Don't do that. No, <laughs> you can do that, but it's no fun. So anyways, um, so yeah, you don't have to be like me. You don't have to be super loud and stuff like that. But the reason I'm loud is because that's who I am. That's who I was at the sporting events. And at one of the times God challenged me, you never worship me like you go crazy at some of those sporting events. You've never worshiped me like that. Wow. You know, when something really cool happens in the game, you're like, get him, get him, get him, run after him, you know? But like in worship, like when the pastor says something really cool or, or someone does great with the music, you're never like that at all you know you just kind of stare at them blankly and they're not even sure if you're offended or not most of the time I wasn't even offended when Diana was singing or whatever I really wasn't I was just standing there but she was just looking at me like whoa what that's a weird expression or look to give someone <laughs> you know what I mean because I was just really stoic <laughs> you know what I'm saying in worship and I thought that was pretty reverential you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so anyways I just want to encourage you guys that it's okay I don't even know what that means. I just want to encourage you guys that it's okay. And there's a journey that you can go on with Jesus. There's a journey of encountering him in worship. And there are so many different ways to do it. And I want you to know that he's not closing the doors on anything. He's not going to close the door on that artistic stuff or that dancing around. And you don't have to feel like you're missing out just because you're not dancing. This list, hello, this list is to encourage you that it's real. That you can engage with Jesus like that. 
that you can actually connect with him in that way. And the challenge is, don't you want to yes. benefit from that? Don't you want to have him transform you in that way? Because even though you're going to know God, you're going to be able to connect with God without ever moving into the halal, without ever doing the zamar, because I'm just not a musician, or whatever it is, right? <laughs> you know, even if you don't ever do it, you're still going to connect with Jesus. You're still going to be saved. Awesome stuff is going to happen, right? But there is something that will transform inside of you if you bring yourself before the Lord and you barak. If you bring yourself before the Lord and kneel, something is going to transform in your heart like it did for me. And so here's the end of that story with Crux Revival Camp. The next chapter in that story is I go home and there's this challenge, is anything going to change from camp? And honestly, from that camp itself, I wasn't hungry enough to apply some of the things that I learned. But what happened next was my car broke a little bit, <laughs> which sounds weird, but I couldn't actually take CDs that I put in my car. And so there was this worship CD that I had put in my car to like listen to it because it was a brand new CD that I got. There was like this Australian band that came out of nowhere to our church. And then I like put it in my car and it got stuck forever, right? And so I started listening to this every single day, right? And like I, I had a really long drive. Like I finally got a job in, in some of all of this, right? You know, right around Crooks Survival Camp time. I finally started working at Panera, but I got hired at the Panera like all the way in Carlsbad and I lived in Escondido. And so I had to drive in like high traffic times on Palomar Airport Road. And every day I would just listen to this like worship music, you know? And then um, I even got a Summit album later, and I found some way to, like, I don't even know. I think it was a miracle. It was probably just Holy Spirit conspiracy the whole time. Like, the Australian CD came out, and then I was able to put the Summit CD in, but then that was it forever, dude. And so I started listening to Summit music every single day. Like, you know, it, it, that song wasn't on there, but, you know, the Ode to the Spirit song that we did. Like, you know, my closest friend, Holy Spirit, come. That song, Andrew wrote that song. And so I was listening to songs like that written by people at Summit. And it was funny, there's no day, just like taking vitamins, where I could say, you know, on September 29th, I think that my life started to transform, you know. <laughs> you won't actually notice the difference, even if you take vitamins for like six months. But if you take vitamins every day in your life for years, then it's going to change your health. Yeah. It's going to make an impact. Yeah. And that's what Summit Music did for me. That's my story, is that after Crux Revival Camp, I had the big encounter, and I didn't come home being like, I'm okay with being me now, and I'm just going to worship God and do stuff. But slowly but surely, listening to the worship music every single day and engaging with God in just one of those avenues started to transform my heart enough to be brave to like, engage with Him in all of the ways. And so what was funny is my mind did not know that any of this was happening. None of it. And so like the whole time I'm like driving to Panera, you know, like I'm like, I'm trying to open a freaking bakery, right? It's like horrible. I'm like driving like really early in the morning, like listening to this music. And it's just like, there's nothing spiritual about it necessarily, in my opinion. And then slowly but surely something's transforming into my heart. And by the time I noticed, it was way too late. And like you guys at Crux Survival Camp now, I was already too far gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was already too deep in. And there was a sermon where Pastor Andrew was preaching about something. I don't even remember what it was anymore. And I totally disagreed with something that he said. And I got offended. But what was funny, what happened before that, or like simultaneously, I don't know the actual timing, but he said something, and like you guys have started to hear, I was like, yeah, you know, and I was just sitting there, I was the most surprised in the whole room. <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. You know, I felt betrayed by my heart, like my heart was connected with what Andrew was saying, but my brain was so not there, I was so not ready for this transformation and this transition in my life. <laughs> and so I had to process how, how do I like rejoice 
like I do in a sporting event, mind you. How do I rejoice when Pastor Andrew says something in front of everyone, even though it's weird, and then like totally not even like what he said in my mind? And I think what had actually happened is that worship music, like a secret agent, was inside of my heart doing a transformative, <laughs> doing a transformative work. And it was just kicking out the darkness and all the offense and stuff like that, you know? And I was becoming different. My heart was changing. And my brain didn't even know what was happening. And so I had to like reverse figure out what the heck had just happened to me. And it took forever, you know. And it's really awesome that there's actually stuff in the Bible. Because, you know, I didn't know at the time. I was just like, I'm just agreeing with stuff, man. <laughs> you know, but it turns out it's in the Word. You know, because God was actually doing something in my heart. And he knew what he was doing the whole time. It wasn't like I was just falling waves of emotion, right? It's like Jesus was doing something inside of my heart. And then I had to go on the journey or I decided to go on the journey to figure out in the Bible what the heck is going on with all this stuff, you know? And how do the people here know these things about me, right? And so I had to find, I had to find it in the Bible where all that stuff was, you know? And I had to ask Taylor, <laughs> you know, and other stuff like that. And so I want to encourage you guys that there's a lot of different ways to engage with God in worship, but it's a powerful thing. And don't think for one second that raising your hands doesn't make a difference. Or that dancing around just doesn't make a difference. Like, does it really matter? You know, like, God knows my heart. You know, He knows I want to connect with Him, and I'm just feeling tired right now or whatever. So, like I said, I don't want us to get legalistic where we feel like, I have to dance or it's not worship. Hello! Right? You know, I don't want that to happen to you guys. But I do think that there's an invitation to engage with God in new ways, to encounter Him in new ways. And you're the ones that said, I want to encounter Jesus, and I want to encounter Him in a new way. So why don't we do a new thing? Why don't we engage with God in one of the ways on this list that we don't normally engage? And so one of the ones that I want to challenge you guys with, some of you might already do pretty good with this. I really want to challenge you with number four. I want to challenge you with tequilah. The reason I'm ending with tequilah is because that's one of those ones where you just kind of hide behind the I'm not a musician type of thing. You kind of hide behind the thing like I can't come up with like a song, you know, like just out of nowhere. Like that's really weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I really think that Jesus is encouraging us that there's a brand new way that we can engage with him. And when I started going through my journey and I started to get transformed, there were like I said I started to be brave enough to engage with Jesus in other ways. And so there was a little I don't really know what to call it because it's a spontaneous song. It's a tequila. There was a little spontaneous song that I came up with that just stuck with me. And it's literally like five seconds, if even that long. Actually, it's probably long. Anyways, but it's literally like five seconds. And I'm going to share it with you guys really quick. And this was, yeah, I know. It's going to be great, right? So I'm going to share it with you guys really quick. And this was literally just me in worship. This was the, the kind of like transformed David who didn't even know the word tequila yet, right? I didn't even really know where it all fit yet. But my heart, again, it was betraying me. And I just started singing something out to Jesus. It was almost like this meditative prayer that was totally a song that was really weird, that was totally tequila and makes sense now, right? And so here goes the little song thing. So it's, Oh, in me is yours. Oh, And people up there on the stage, they're playing their instruments. 
And they're singing Bethel music, like straight up. We're talking, they're following the meters and measures, and they're doing the chords the way the song is written. And here's David Knox over there just singing that song, that all inside of me, that all in me, actually belongs to Jesus, is yours. And I wasn't playing the song the way that it was supposed to be played. And like the songs that we sang tonight about not being silent, I think God is inviting us to engage with Him in all these ways, but in that spontaneous song way. And for the rest of my life, I can get up and preach a sermon, and I can talk about my experience, and I can talk about that song, because the melody sticks with me. In a way where I might literally forget. I'm trying to think of a Bible verse that I sometimes forget. Uh, <laughs> I know, it's like really hard. Uh, so, there's, okay, so there's a Bible verse that says that the spirit of Jesus, or the spirit of prophecy is like the testimony of Jesus or something like that. And not only do I mess up the scripture, but I also forget the reference, right? And so, I forget that verse about like the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Something like that. So I forget that and I mess it up. But for the rest of my freaking life, no matter what's going on, even when I forget John freaking 316, right? Even when I can't remember that, at any moment in my life, no matter what darkness is happening... Even if there's no music, I can literally just stop and just, oh, in me is yours. Oh, in me is yours. And so what if God was inviting us to engage with him? In that spontaneous song way. And what if one of the reasons it transforms us is because it's with you for the rest of your life. Like the ABCs, you're always going to know it. But only if you sing the song like in order. <laughs> you know, like the way that you like know the song. Only if there's like the melody. That's why it's so hard to do the ABCs backwards and all that stuff. Because when it's musical like that, you can remember it. And like I said, I can get up with no notes and with no little books. And I can preach sermons from any of the songs that I've written. If I ever forget what point number two was, gosh, what is point number two? Yada, thank you, Jesus. Right? If I have a song about it and I sing that song, it doesn't necessarily have to be out loud. I guess I could do it in my mind, right? But if I just start singing that, or even under my breath, like, I'm going to remember that. And when you're going through a tough time, to have those things to fall back on is really, really big. And like I said, worship actually transforms your heart. And worship is about Jesus. You know, there's songs that we write about getting back to the heart of worship. But I think sometimes worship is also about us. Especially because, and again, I know sometimes this offends our box a little bit. Especially because if we're connecting with Jesus inside of his heart and we're trying to set our eyes on him, he is so concerned with us. We are one of the principal things inside of his heart. He is thinking about us, right? And so I think sometimes when we set our affection on Jesus, he starts talking to us about ourselves. And so I think worship can really be something that is about a transformation that God's doing inside of you. Because like we talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, actually looking at the face of Jesus makes you more like him and transforms you. And so I think something about worship and literally worshiping God for who he is without, fo- without thinking about what it's going to do in our lives will radically transform you and cause you to look like Jesus. And so we're going to be wrapping this up and we're going to go back into a time of worship. Sorry, I moved all the microphones, <laughs> right? But we're going to go back into a time of worship. And I just want to encourage you guys to engage with the Lord in one of these ways that you haven't done before. And maybe for a lot of us, it's to heal up. 
And I've come up with a lot of tequilas that sound really weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, and I still remember those too, by the way. <laughs> and so, it doesn't have to sound perfect. It doesn't have to be polished. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be a musician. There is not a single instrument on this planet that I know how to play at this particular moment. <laughs> right? <laughs> when I write songs, when I did that song, I literally might have stolen the melody from a Coldplay song. Like, I don't know that song that I just shared with you guys. But, like, that's just the melody that I heard in my mind. And I can, like, hear the music behind it, right? And so I want to encourage you guys that let's worship and not care what it looks like. Let's worship and engage with God in all these different ways. And even if after the mountain experience, you don't remember that halal has to do with dancing and boasting, you know, and you don't remember that Shabbat has to do with shouting to the Lord. Just know that there's all these different ways that God wants to engage with you, that he wants to awaken different parts of your heart. And I am completely convinced that you can worship God in a yada way, or you can worship God in a way that you know that's comfortable, and you can authentically connect with Jesus. But I think there's an invitation for more. I think there's an invitation to engage with Him in all of the different ways. And there's an invitation to do something you haven't done before. And one of the things I love about Tehillah is not just the memory, but it's the fact that when I sing a spontaneous song, no matter how many times I've Tehillahed in the past, <laughs> it's always something brand new. It's always something fresh. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.